1: Welcome to another issue of Top Stories and another raid into the Bugle archives. I am Andy Zaltzman. Colonel Gaddafi provided us with plenty of material over the years, not least in September 2009, when he addressed the UN General Assembly for a full 90 minutes. But he wasn't the only one trying to steal the limelight. Here I am discussing it with John Oliver.
0: Top story this week, and it is summit season. The UN Summit was uh, in New York this week, and as we know, it's a chance for world leaders to come together in public and private sessions to practice high-level diplomacy, and even more importantly, it's time for fringe world leaders to stand at the podium in the chamber and bring the crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and let me
0: tell you, it was a stellar year for Turbo Whack Jobs.
1: <laughs> was that your nickname at school, Turbo Whack Job?
0: <laughs> it was. And remember, the bar is set pretty high regarding this. This was the gig that Castro spoke at for four straight hours. It was also the gig that made the world stand up and take notice of Hugo Chavez after he claimed that George Bush was the devil who'd made the room smell of sulphur. And collectively, the whole planet said, Who is that guy? He's fantastic. (laughs) And this year, there was another breakout star who, and I do not say this lightly, Andy left the others behind him in his Libyan dust. (laughs) Step forward, Colonel Gaddafi, you crazy bastard. (laughs) This was his first speech to the assembly, uh, despite the fact that he's been in power for 40 years. And he clearly spent all of those 40 years preparing for this moment, (laughs) because his allocated 15-minute speech finally ended 94 minutes later 600% 600% of his allowable time. That is outstanding work. He even went through two translators in that period. One got exhausted and seemed to suffer a voice breakdown. So another was quickly brought in. He talked so much bullshit, Andy. He went through another human being's voice box. Do you know how hard that is? That's a trained translator who at some point had to say, OK, you win. I know this is my job, but I cannot take any more of this shit.
1: Is that a UN first? I think it must so. be pretty close. It has to be. I know Anthony Eden went pretty close when he started uh, riffing in Portuguese. I mean, to be fair to Gaddafi, John, both you and I know what it's like to ramble on aimlessly for ninety self-indulgent minutes. No question. But, no question. You know, I, I think we'd have had the decency to have an interval to let the audience stretch their legs and ring home for reassurance. <laughs> but...
0: It's impossible to pick out all the highlights of his speech, Andy. He attacked the UN Security Council for being terrorists. For most speeches, that would be the highlight. But it barely seems worth mentioning when you add that he claimed the Taliban were completely harmless, talked about how jet-lagged he was, speculated about who killed John F. Kennedy, and even asserted that swine flu was man-made to be used as a military weapon. He even, at one point, inexplicably referred to Obama ...as his son.
1: <laughs> well, that, that is a story.
0: That would have been an incredible twist. That's something even the lunatics who don't think Obama was born in the USA hadn't seen coming. It would have been phenomenal if Obama had just had to get up and say, OK, here's the thing, Colonel Gaddafi is my father, and we're working through some stuff at the moment.
1: <laughs> who did he say was, uh, was responsible for the Kennedy assassination? It, the
0: problem is, what you, you're trying to rationalise... Kind of sentences he uses there right. he doesn't really suggest anything he just meanders on that point right. so he was just talking about you know who had killed jfk and that was around the same time i believe that he was saying yeah i mean uh, at 11 in the morning when i'm supposed to be awake i'm sleepy <laughs> and uh four, four in the afternoon i'm wide awake i mean that's something worth thinking about like, no it isn't do you know
1: where you are looking at him john it looked like he's had some plastic surgery. Yeah, he did. It did. Do you have any confirmation of that from from stateside, John? <laughs> well I don't what you mean, just because I've just been out in California. <laughs> he's had a jowl retwanging just to uh, you know t- tighten up the old cheeks. He's had a boob job, of course. And a yeah, but,
0: yeah ta- that was that muscle's <laughs> obvious.
1: <laughs> and he's also now got a tattoo of Marilyn Monroe playing crazy golf on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's not true, Colonel Gaddafi, then sue us.
0: <laughs> or at least come and talk to us. It was only stopped, his speech, when he was handed a note by a UN delegate inviting him to finish. And I'm guessing that sounds more polite than it actually was. I would guess that that was just a piece of paper which read, Shut the f*** up, signed the entire world. (laughs) And spare a thought in all this for Prime Minister Gordon Brown, who had to follow him. That's a tough slot. That is like Boney M having to go on after Jimi Hendrix. And this was all just the dessert to the full menu of mayhem that Gaddafi served up in New York all week. It it began when he tried to erect his Bedouin tent on some land owned by Donald Trump that he could sleep in and use for entertaining purposes. That's nice, isn't it? (laughs) Bring your tent along, invite people over, and put it in the least classy millionaire's back garden. Perfect. (laughs) I think his high-water point was that uh, apparently a UN spokesman told the Swiss news agency that Libya had submitted a proposal to the General Assembly calling for the complete dissolution of Switzerland last month. (laughs) (laughs) The proposal was never
1: accepted or circulated. I think it's got to be put to the vote, John. It's supposed to be a democratic organisation. Let the leaders of the world decide on Switzerland. Apparently it's just because
0: his son got arrested there a couple of years ago. (laughs) No, he's taken it upon himself that Switzerland should be wiped off the map. (laughs) This really put Ahmadinejad to shame, Andy, because he warmed up for his appearance last week in Iran saying that the Holocaust was a lie based on unprovable and mythical claim. Boring. <laughs> Gaddafi's raised the game now, Andy. Anyone can denounce Israel and ask that it be wiped off the map. We've heard that loads of times. <laughs> Not many people can call for the erasing of a frankly bemused Switzerland.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Switzerland's all very well, but would people really miss it?
0: You know? No. I mean, is it yeah. that
1: outlandish a suggestion?
0: Definitely. <laughs> Definitely not. His uh, explanation for what it was saying. Switzerland's so full of French people that should be living in France <laughs> and German people that should be living in Germany.
1: And quite a lot of gold that needs to find its way home as well. Some very generous words from um, uh, Hugo Chavez, <laughs> who um, I thought it was a delightful touch, hoping that Obama won't be assassinated. I thought yeah. I was, it was lovely <laughs> of him to say that out Because, I mean, we're all thinking it, but, you know, it's good that. So to actually commit to yeah. it. Now, in, the, in this area of talking around,
0: things, <laughs> Because, I mean, if you can't think of anything nice to say about someone, <laughs> just wish that they're not assassinated.
1: And he also said that the smell of sulphur has left the United <laughs> Nations. That's right. And again, that's lovely. He said it now smells of hope. Oh. And you have to have hope in your heart. I thought he was about to break into song.
0: Well, he nearly did. He played a kind of imaginary guitar at one point. <laughs> Like going doing 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 and then his final message was let's be a tiny bit better and a tiny bit less selfish. Not <laughs> that's an achievable goal. I mean an almost imperceptible amount better.
1: I mean he said the UN now smells of hope, but he he didn't specifically say what Barack Obama himself smells of. You've met Obama. Yeah. You must of- have a pretty Good idea of what is General Musk
0: Oaky. is. Oaky. He's kind of got... He smells like a wet forest.
1: Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sort of imagine that he smelt of freshly baked croissants. <laughs> You're thinking of Chancellor Merkel. So, there was... Uh, the big story over here, coming from the UN, John, was whether or not Gordon Brown was snubbed by Barack Obama. Right. Um, now, the answer is probably... No, he wasn't. He was just a kind of busy kind of guy. But, of course, the British media put two and two together and came up with Gordon Brown was snubbed by Barack Obama. Was this a big story in the States?
0: (laughs) No, it wasn't at all. It wasn't blanket coverage, to be honest, Andy. Was this a snub?
1: Was it a snub? Part of the reason it became such a big story is people just like the word snub. Good word. Apparently they met in the kitchen at the White House. Is this true? Brown and Obama bumped into each other in the kitchen... (laughs) Well, I don't know, the other day. I guess they were both maybe down in their pajamas making a peanut butter sandwich uh, late at night. I don't know. It's a shame Armandina Joe wasn't passing through at the same time. It could have been a fantastic yeah. food fight.
0: That is a strange thing to happen, isn't it? Just getting a midnight snack. Oh really, Gordon? You didn't ask, did you?
1: <laughs> this is my house you're in. Tom tells us they didn't meet in the White House. It was it's in a the kitchen in the UN, I think, in New York. Tom, the bugle, as you know, is an organ of historical veracity. <laughs> Not idle gossip. It's not just made up or anything. All right, fair enough. So I think we need to leave this correction in. So the kitchen at the UN... I I don't see anything wrong with discussing major world issues whilst you're cooking a beef stroganoff. Yeah, to be
0: honest, it wasn't the location of the kitchen that you were excited about, was it, Andy? It was the fact it was a kitchen. (laughs) The world leaders that cook together stay together. <laughs> that's right. I don't know what, what the best thing to cook as a group of world leaders together would be. You don't want a kind of meal that someone might overseason, or you know, Chavez might put too much chili in, yeah. or Ahmadinejad might overheat. You want something similar, maybe just like a pizza base uh, that <laughs> they can sprinkle stuff on top of.
1: <laughs> maybe some kind of uh, bolognese. That's fairly. Uh... That's nice, and you can mass cater with that. Yeah. That's a good idea. You probably want to cook it before the summit started, though, because then give the flavours a bit of time to no, blend. No, that's no good. That's
0: you, no, you're missing the point. Yeah,
1: but then you heat it up and cook, cook the pasta, and then you, you discuss it while the pasta's cooking. That's when you get your environmental deal signed. Yeah, you're grating your parmesan, thinking, right, how many nukes do you actually need? Say when. When. <laughs> Thank you for listening. More top stories tomorrow and yesterday.
0: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better